In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello everyone and welcome to the Bravo Docket. Today is gonna be one of our long form episodes and we're covering the lawsuit that Margaret Josephs had against or she was defending herself against Vineyard Vines for some of her designs. And we're gonna give you everything, the background on it. We're gonna dive deep into this lawsuit and explain it to you in the easiest terms possible. So do you wanna start us off, Angela? Yes, so who is Margaret Josephs? I have watched her on The Real Housewives of New Jersey, but other than her appearance on the show, I didn't know much about her. Ceci, when did she join The Real Housewives of New Jersey? She joined in 2017. And a lot of us that watch The Real Housewives of New Jersey know some of this from the show, but she was born in Elizabeth, New Jersey, to Hungarian immigrants and raised in Westchester, New York. And she graduated from the Fashion Institute of Technology with a degree in fashion design. She worked in New York's garment center as a dress designer and after the birth of her son she decided to establish her own line of home accessories i don't know much about fashion but it's one of the best colleges that you could get into for this type of thing my curiosity got the best of me so i looked up other people that have degrees from fit and the creator bare minerals executive vice president of nike the CEO, creative director, and founder of Nautica, Randy Finoli, the television personality from Say Yes to the Dress, Nina Garcia, editor-in-chief for Elle and also Project One Ray Dutch, mm-hmm. Calvin Klein, founder of Calvin Klein, Inc., <laughs> Michael Kors, so another Project Runway person we know, Ramona Singer studied marketing at FIT, where she, according to her own Wikipedia page, was the first female graduate of the four-year honor program. And this is another episode where I downloaded a Real Housewives book and sped read it. Margaret wrote, Caviar Dreams on a Tuna Fish Budget. Ceci, what do you think of the picture I included in the outline from the book from her time at FIT? I thought it was great. (laughs) This picture is epic. Her hair is amazing. She looks so cool. So cool. Follow her. Like, there should be a reality show about this this woman. <laughs> this picture kind of gave me tingles. Her hair, everything, like, just, she looks amazing. Anyway, I sped read the book, and I put a link to it in our Amazon finds page, because actually I think this is one of the more interesting Housewives books. She's very honest in it, and she reveals things that aren't flattering to her, and she gave a lot of details about the lawsuits that we're going to talk about. 
because those are now, thankfully for Marge, all settled. And Marge had gotten married to her ex-husband that we hear about on The Real Housewives of New Jersey, Jan. And I think her son was about two years old. Do you want to talk about how she started her business? So she says, working for someone else was just not in the cards for me anymore. I reached out to my good friend Beth, who was a previous boyfriend's sister. I kept Beth after the breakup. Like I've said, I don't lose people. I collect them. Beth was an extremely talented artist who'd graduated from Carnegie Mellon. Cooper had the house littered with toys, and I had a bright idea. I wanted to create a stylish storage solution that was utilitarian and fashionable. Beth and I went to Home Depot and filled the Lexus to the brim with metal buckets. Beth was big into decoupage, so we decided to embellish the buckets with vintage wallpapers. They looked very shabby chic. We thought we were onto something because there was nothing like them available at the time. All the storage solutions were unattractive, and we set out to fix that. We decided to name the company Macbeth Collection, a combination of Margaret and Beth. I often say we gave birth to the Macbeth Collection at my kitchen table. So she starts this business with her friend selling these buckets. And if you Google them, they're actually pretty cute. So she says, Beth and I were each making a few hundred dollars a week as we expanded into picture frames and other accessories. It was fun. And then they got into a couple stores. And then she says, on a whim, I put our name on the wait list for the New York International Gift Show. She says, careful what you wish for, because all of a sudden we received a letter in the mail saying that Macbeth had been accepted into the show. And she says, this is when she started to see the company as more of a full-time career than a side gig. So she went to her husband and she says he wasn't thrilled with the idea of funding what he considered to be a hobby. So she had to go to her sister-in-law, who she says very generously lent her $8,000. So her husband wouldn't give her the money, but her sister-in-law did. This is kind of fascinating to me because we've watched what happens when you don't know what your husband is doing with your money and you don't know where the finances are going. And she talks about how at this time she didn't have access to anything. So she didn't even know how much money they had. But then she starts this business and it starts doing well. She gets the loan. So they go to this New York International gift show. And on the first day, they got $60,000 worth of orders. And then she's like, oh, no, we actually have to do this. (laughs) So she said she started calling the factory in Texas to get the buckets wholesale that they had been just buying from Home Depot. And she's like, we just had to figure it out. But again, she went to FIT and she had a background. So it's not like she just had to figure it all out from scratch. She had some idea of how these things work. So the other thing Ceci I thought was interesting was where she says Jan, her ex-husband. Jan already had a lace and embroidery factory. And seeing as the garment industry was on a downturn while my business was on an upswing, he offered for us to move into the unused space. We even took on some of Jan's employees with the deal. Things were growing at warp speed. We moved from using vintage wallpaper to designing our own patterns. We leased large printers so we could create the designs in bulk to meet the demands. We had all the materials on hand to fulfill orders quickly. We had quite the little operation going, but in order to keep it afloat, we needed another cash infusion. So she talks about how her now ex-husband, Jan, realized that her business wasn't a hobby anymore and that he invested $35,000. And she says it was really her father-in-law who believed in her. Her father-in-law had founded Joseph Brothers Embroidery, which had brought success to the entire family. And she she talks very favorably about her former father-in-law. So she says that the irony is that once Jan had invested and his company was suffering, he decided it would be a great idea to go into business with me. Did he believe in Macbeth collection the way I did? Not so much. He would always say, you're terrific at making money, but you're better at spending it. I think Jan saw an opportunity to jump the sinking ship that was the garment industry at that time. 
He came on board but never seemed happy to be there. The success of the business in his eyes was strictly monetary. I enjoyed being creative, watching it grow, and filling a need in the market. I knew that if the business was fueled by passion, the money would come. There's no such thing as an overnight success. She goes on and she explains that Jan started looking into the finances, and this is a quote from the book, and decided Beth had to go. The Beth from Macbeth (laughs) collection. She says that he sat her down and said, we're putting up all the money and you're giving her 50% of the business. I know you guys started together. I know she has sweat equity, but we have to buy her out. And she says she felt physically ill about this, but that they ended up buying her partner out and the friendship ended. So the company gets a ton of press. They weren't the biggest company, but she's in Oprah magazine and all kinds of stuff. And then she talks about how the licensing started, which is where the legal stuff really comes in. I read the stuff in her book about the licensing drama. And all these companies are mad at each other. They're fighting with each other. They're stabbing each other in the back. The fact that there's so much ego with all of this stuff, to me, was interesting. So yeah, she says, our style was the perfect mix of preppy and bohemian. Acid bright colors, swirling prints and patterns. This always caught the eye of the larger retailers, like Bed Bath & Beyond. Rest in peace. As a side note, (laughs) Bath & Beyond is bankrupt and closing all their stores. (laughs) Sad. And home goods. They started asking me, Margaret, what can we buy from you? I said, nothing. I'm made in America. I'm too expensive. I was a snobby bitch and somewhat naive. I loved selling to places like Neiman Marcus and the smaller specialty boutiques. It wasn't until Jonathan Brighter, a prominent licensing agent in the industry, walked into the booth and said, you really should start licensing out your brand. You have a great look and everyone wants you. He explained that basically it would be my style and my brand, and then I could branch out to all different products because various manufacturers would take my brand and put my look on their products so they could distribute them to the larger mass retailers at a high volume and a low margin. So she has these designs that they've been doing themselves or putting them on products. And then she's got people telling her, hey, you should really be licensing these designs out and you can make more money. Here's how she puts it. I'd get something called a royalty, which is essentially a percentage of those sales since everything would have my name, style and logo attached to it. She also said she knew she needed to change the way the business was run if she wanted to leave her now ex-husband. Well, if I can insert something there, because it'll come up in the lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. So the way that licensing works, it's an agreement, and it it occurs under the umbrella of the Copyright Act, so you still have to abide by the Copyright Act, but it is a standalone contract, and you have to be really smart when you negotiate these and put in specific provisions, and I'll talk about them later when we get to the lawsuit, but it's so important to have good counsel when you're negotiating these licensing agreements, and this one is one where she retained the ownership and the copyrights, but then licensed out the look and whatnot and received royalties from it. But it comes back to bite her in the butt. I think it wasn't probably as tight as it could have been. But we'll talk about that in the lawsuit. So I just wanted to throw that out there that it is a contract. And it's serious. It's a serious contract. So she talks about how two days later she received her first contract with a 15K advance and a 5% royalty to sign on the spot. And she says she did the math, and 5% of a few million dollars a year, in addition to money up front, sounded like cakewalk to her. You're licensing things out, and then you just collect checks, which is great as long as everything goes well. Once she gets the one licensing deal, then she starts working with other companies with her licensing agent, which I didn't even know was a thing. And they introduce her to a tech accessory company called Neptune International. It's just before... 
I even knew it. I was the first printed tech accessory brand at Walmart. And she said business started rolling in. And before her tech accessories were boring. And then she goes, we go to another trade show. And she describes them as a box of crayons in a strictly black and gray world. And she says, Neptune might have brought us to the table, but we changed the game. So then, because they were growing so rapidly, the original licensee, Parker Concepts, sees the growth potential for her brand, and they offer to buy out her soon-to-be ex-husband. For Marge, this is a good deal. She talks about some issues. She said the licensee, Parker, made changes she didn't like. She was paying her employees way above minimum wage. She said it worked out to about 25 an hour. And then they shipped the pay structure. And then she also said that they didn't put her name on the bank account. And she does have some good business advice in the book. I think a lot of times as women or when you're just starting out in a business, doesn't matter what your gender is, you don't really feel like you can speak up for yourself, especially when you're younger and then you have older people telling you how you're supposed to be doing things. And she really talks about how even if you have money coming in, and you're doing well, if you're uncomfortable with the way something is going, it's your company, speak up. And I think that's really important. Just another little bit of tea in here. She had to pay alimony to her ex-husband. She says she felt like when they got divorced because she had cheated on him, she felt really guilty. And she's like, even though I was entitled to a lot more and I should have gotten part of the house and all this other stuff, I didn't do it because I had a lot of guilt. And she said, I could afford a generous alimony and still live very comfortably. But she also says, I didn't plan enough for the future, certainly not for a lawsuit, which is what we're about to get into right now. I do think it's telling that she said that her ex-husband was willing to take a break from his alimony payments when these lawsuits came up. So chapter 16 of her book, she titles Sued and Screwed. <laughs> very fitting. Yes. So I guess maybe we should describe what these products look like. Like we did a little bit with the wallpaper thing and with saying that they're like bohemian nautical it reminds me of the products that you see and this is very specific when you go to an antique store and they have these booths with antiques in it but then they also have booths with these like girly looking preppy resort items and you don't know what brand they are but they're cute and you want it and it's like stripes with a whale on them or mm. you know like a little yeah. A pencil case with pink stripes on it and then a little dolphin on it. <laughs> yeah. And it's very, very cute. So she ends up with a resort clothing licensee called Authentic Cabana. She says that's what got her into deep water. They made shiny beach bags using the sayings and icons that were signature from her Macbeth buckets, which I could see the Macbeth buckets in an episode of Summer House. Yeah, totally. You know how they go to the Hamptons Beach all the time, fill it with some beer? Yeah. That would have been the perfect crossover. So she said she was still making buckets at the time, and so people could then buy the bucket with a matching beach bag. Totally could see that on Summer House. And she said, unfortunately, our licensee manufactured some bags that looked similar to the product of a company already in the market called Lolo Bag. So she explains that Lolo Bag filed suit against Macbeth Collection and that Authentic Cabana was responsible for answering the claims and settling the suit. And that's because of indemnity. Sissy, so, do you want to explain what indemnity is? Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that you can put or should put in a license as well. And it, the concept means that if you get sued, you can automatically bring someone else in to take on that responsibility in the lawsuit. Yeah. So, it's even if you get sued, the other person has to pay 
the legal costs and the settlement, if there is one, basically the expenses of the lawsuit, somebody else has to pay. They step into your shoes and they have to pay it. She says that the licensee, Authentic Cabana, used their counsel to settle the lawsuit. They were never actually named in the lawsuit. So they pushed the public blame onto the Macbeth collection while cleaning up the financial myths. She should have insisted that her company be removed from the lawsuit. I mean, she could have also had a lot or should have had a lot more oversight onto what her designs were making their way onto. You don't have to just sign away your rights to your designs and the person gets to put it on anything. The reason why she was indemnified, it was that the design of the bag, the shape, structure, design of the bag was the same as whatever Lolo bag had done. But because her design was on there, they sued her. Yeah, as well. That's another thing. She could have right. negotiated the indemnity clause like to not, to not be named in it. And she says she could have gotten out of it. But I think your point still holds that she could have negotiated for more oversight. And obviously there was something in there saying like if your product infringes on something else with my name on it, you have to pay because it's not mm-hmm. my design. It's your product that's infringing on someone else's design, if that makes sense. So she did have that in there, but then she made the mistake of letting Macbeth Collection get blamed for it, which you're shaking your head and that's absolutely right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) they're contracts. You can put anything in there. It's it's a contract. We're going to talk about this more later, but a lot of companies, especially startups, they don't want the extra expense to pay lawyers up front. And that will almost always save you money down the road. And I know we're lawyers telling you this, but it's just so much safer to have counsel from the very beginning. So Lola Bag received a settlement from Authentic Cabana, but Lola Bag was still pissed off, the drama with this. And then since there was a whale icon in one of the bags, Lola Bag showed that to Vineyard Vines, whose logo is a whale. And she says, quote, with the intent to screw us over. In my opinion, Lola Bag was very vindictive and wanted to ruin us. And Vineyard Vines is, oh, no, you can't use this whale. This is our whale. Sessie's going to explain all of the stuff about this lawsuit. But according to Marge, in her own words, she had been using preppy icons since the inception of the Macbeth collection, everything from whales to turtles to flamingos and anchors. It's simply an embellishment. And she claims we weren't competing with Vineyard Vines, but she says Vineyard Vines didn't see it that way. And they sent us a cease and desist letter. And she says we abided by that immediately. And as you guys know from listening to our podcast, Legal Team, you know what cease and desist letters are. But then she says the law firm that Authentic Cabana and I, meaning Macbeth, were using, sent Vineyard Vines an aggressive and inflammatory letter in response. And she says that may not have been the best move. (laughs) What do you think of that, Ceci? Yeah, probably not the best move. If you're trying to come to a resolution and you're going to pull the product anyway, be a little nice in your response. (laughs) What I always tell the associates and younger lawyers that I work with is that you never start at level 10 because then you don't have anywhere to go. Always start off nice and then you have somewhere to go. You never want to start at level 10. (laughs) It's not good. At this point, she had a business partner, Marvin, and Marvin got the letters from the Vineyard Vines attorney while they were still partners, but those letters never made it out of his inbox. And Marvin was clearly using legal counsel because after they decided to part ways, Marvin made sure he was identified in the buyout agreement. So essentially, even though the lawsuit was initiated while she was still partners with this Marvin guy, he had clearly had good legal counsel and left her on the hook for the (laughs) Vineyard Vines lawsuit. So 
obviously one party who is the plaintiff are Vineyard Vines against Margaret Josephs and her Macbeth Collection Company. And so one thing to add in here is that Margaret Joseph's Macbeth Collection was started in 1999. Vineyard Vines was started by brothers in 1998. And I got this from the amended complaint, which, of course, they explain their business is one, like, just a wholesome, started from the bottom, now we're here kind of business, <laughs> which, you know, you got to make yourself sound great in your complaint. So it says, in 1998, they created it, they first created ties inspired by the colors and designs of Martha's Vineyard. So I hadn't heard of Vineyard Vines before I lived on the East Coast. It's kind of like an East Coast, Southern, preppy brand. It reminds me of the same level as Brooks Brothers. They make just colorful sweatshirts, ties, shirts. Their polos have their logo on it, which I'll get to what their logo is. Oh, you put, did you put Think Andy Bernard on the office? Yeah. that's yeah. So you're from the West Coast where that's not the style. Everything. It's just like this massive preppy brand. But yeah, think of Andy Bernard in the office. That's kind of what it looks like. And it's very preppy clothing. Mm-hmm. So they go on to explain their brand. They say for more than 15 years and since long prior to the acts of defendants complained of, Vineyard Vines has been engaged in manufacturing, distributing, offering for sale and selling a broad range of uniquely designed luxury brand. I wouldn't call them luxury, but we'll continue. Luxury brand clothing and accessories, including but not limited to bathing suits, ties, jackets, pants, scarves, shorts, blah, 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 blah. They make a lot of stuff. They have a pretty strong brand. They're labeled with a whale, if you don't know. Their polos have this little cute cartoon whale on them. A lot of times it's pink, but their trademark and copyright covers other colors. The packages also come with a free whale sticker. My boyfriend loves it. We have their <laughs> logo on our fridge right now. It, it just the brand is everywhere. Like once you know Vineyard Vines, you know that little whale logo. Yeah, I'm a lot older than Sessie, but it reminds me of the same kind of styles like Lacoste, you know. I know Lacoste. Yeah. The, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, it's kind of like the same thing. You see the whale, it's definitely Vineyard Vines. You see the alligator, it's, oh, that's Lacoste. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's this brand Avery also likes from New Orleans and they have a little crawfish. Oh. It's sort of like every brand has their little thing and Vineyard Vines is definitely this whale. It's a strong mark. And they say that they trademarked it first in 2003. It says it's an iconic symbol that represents their brand. They say the whale design is prominently featured on tags, labels, advertising, marketing materials, as well as on retail storefronts, outlets, and the Vineyard website. And they attach an exhibit showing how they use the whale logo. And they have to do this. They have to show that it is a prominent brand and that it has a secondary meaning in the market, that consumers like you and I recognize that this logo is the Vineyard Vines brand. They go on to explain how when you see this logo or when you think of Vineyard Vines, you think of quality products. And that's also really important to establish in a case like this where you're claiming that someone else is using your logo and then therefore stealing all the goodwill that you've built up. You want to explain in your complaint how much goodwill you have and how this brand, Vineyard Vines, it's synonymous with good quality goods. So circling back to one of our previous New Jersey episodes, this would probably be why Chanel sent letters to Melissa. hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly what I was thinking about when we yeah. were going through this. 
Because how many times, and it actually bothers me when I see it, where you see these like knockoff shirts that have Chanel logo on it or like knockoff phone covers. I mean, do what you want to do, but it it does dilute the brand a little bit. If I were Chanel, I would be making it very clear that my stuff is not sold at Envy. (laughs) Yeah, so they list out all the marks that they have with the whale and the copyrights. So just for those who don't know, a trademark, you can get a trademark in any word, phrase, simple design, or combo of these things that identifies your goods or services. It's how customers recognize you in the marketplace and distinguish you from your competitors. Copyrights, on the other hand, are original works of authorship, and they include things like literary, dramatic, musical, and artistic works, like poetry, novels, movies, architecture. It has to be fixed in a tangible medium, so you can't copyright an idea. So it would be like the artwork of the whale. That would be what you'd get a copyright in. I've never litigated any copyright or trademark things. I'm just curious. So if like a vineyard vines had come to you and been like, should we sue over this whale? What would you have said, like looking at these pictures? You know, looking at the pictures, no. But I wanted to explain that these types of cases are really left to a jury. They're so fact specific. So when it comes to like the copyright claim here, it would be a substantial similarity test. So you'd have to look at the protectable elements, because some elements, this is getting really into the weeds, some elements in a design just aren't protectable. So say you like have a doll, a human looking doll, you can't have a copyright in the eyes. Like, what about the design of the eyes, though? So you can have a copyright in the how you design the eyes to be special, but you can't just say like, I have a copyright and I'm claiming protection because it has eyes. Ah, okay. That's see, that's so because interesting. Every to me. doll has to have eyes if it's gonna look <laughs> like a human, or every doll has so to. You have... can't just claim eyes. You can't colonize eyes and be like, eyes are mine. <laughs> so what yeah. they do is they filter out the unprotectable elements, and then what's left goes through, you know, expert testimony. Experts will have to be like, well, you know, the eyelashes on this one have six, and then this one has four, or whatever, and you get that testimony before a jury. But it's very fact specific, and the jury gets to decide whether there's substantial similarity between the two logos. So like me on first blush, just being a regular observer, I don't think they look that similar. I think maybe Vineyard Vines would want to bring in like the context of how they were sold and they're both really preppy and all that. And maybe, maybe you could convince some jurors, but it'd have to go all the way to trial, which who's going to pay for that, you know? So that does end up being a question of fact. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because me looking at it, like just looking at the outline and not having any background in this area of the law. So I think maybe I'd be close to a juror, except I'm a lawyer. It The outline looks very similar to me. Yeah, they have like different expressions. Like the one is Vineyard Vines is a smiling. I mean, the Vineyard Vines one is cuter. The Macbeth one doesn't have the eyebrow sort of thing above that yeah. for the eye and it's not smiling as much. Yeah, but I think then it would be so there might have also been a question as like can you have is is a whale on a nautical type item is that protectable? Mm. Maybe that's not a protected element. I don't know. I haven't litigated this case and haven't done the Westlaw research to see if whales are protectable in nautical scenarios, but maybe they're not. Maybe she could have argued like If we're going to have a nautical product that's used at the beach, everyone's going to have a whale on it. It's just normal to have a whale on it. I think I think you are a very good lawyer. 
because as you're talking, I'm agreeing with you. But as I'm looking, <laughs> as I'm looking at them, I'm like, that's the same. That's the same whale. Like, that's, yeah, they're pretty similar. Yeah, they are. But, you know, it, that this is our job. You have to convince right. a juror or jury that, you know, they're not similar or nautical items just have whales on them. What are you going to do? But I think one of the arguments and I apologize if I repeat this later because it might be later in the outline, but one of the arguments that Vineyard Vines makes is that I think the store. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We're selling them next to actual Vineyard Vines products. Oh. Yeah, so... They were trying, and this goes, I think, more to the trademark, but they were trying to confuse consumers into thinking that they were Vineyard Vines products. That's the claim that Vineyard Vines is making. Mm-hmm. Okay. March says, although our response to the cease and desist letter was aggressive, we did agree to stop licensing out this whale immediately. It's just easier, and that makes yeah. sense. Like She I has think- a million other designs. This isn't her main thing. Yeah, and I think she says it too. Like it would have been very expensive to make it all the way to trial just to prove that the whales aren't substantially similar and just to prove that she's not trading on the goodwill or Vineyard Vides' brand. Yeah. So they claim trademark infringement and it's using someone's service mark in connection with goods in a manner that is likely to cause confusion, confusion, deception, or mistake. 
about the source of the goods or services. So Wait, it's I, like I have a question. What's the difference between a trademark and a service mark? Is it the same thing? Well, so a trademark is used for goods and a service mark is used for services. Oh, okay. That makes sense. If you saw a phone cover with two CCs, would a consumer think it's Chanel? Not if it was at Envy. <laughs> Not now, <laughs> but many many people did buy those yeah. products thinking that they were really Chanel and that's trading on Chanel's trademark. Copyright infringement is when you reproduce it, distribute, display the work without permission of the copyright owner. Unfair competition, this one usually goes hand in hand with trademark infringement. And this this claim they made was false designation of origin. And it's by using the mark. So the whale, Marge, is creating confusion amongst the market as to who made the product. So people maybe see the bag with the whale on it and they think, you know, this bag was made by Vineyard Vines just by looking at the whale logo on the bag, that's unfair competition, false designation of origin. Okay. Then dilution. And so they claim that Vineyard Vines is a famous mark. And because these products are being made that they didn't make, and Vineyard Vines wants to make quality products and put out quality products by using this whale and putting it on random products, they're diluting the brand because people are thinking it's Vineyard Vines and it's not. And they're not the same level of quality. So as part of their relief, they were seeking permanent injunction, $1 million in actual damages, $3 million in punitive, and $8 million for willful counterfeiting. So that's a total of $12 million. Okay, so that's a lot of money. And I do understand aggressively protecting your brand, especially because when you want to keep the value of what you have and if there's your whale on something. I, I mean, I get that. I get that. But I also feel like maybe this got really aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they could have just stopped. But like, so they, in their amended complaint, put a snapshot from OK Magazine with a Macbeth toiletries case. And it is pictured next to a Vineyard Vines visor. I think maybe they thought like this was a massive brand that was really just making money off of them. Well, so that's interesting because Marge talks about that in her book. She says, we weren't the biggest company, but we got a ton of press. And I didn't read all of them out to you guys earlier, but they were in so many magazines. They were constantly all over. She was on Good Morning America talking about it. So her brand, while it wasn't anywhere near as big as Vineyard Vines, it was all over in the press. And you're absolutely right. This was in legal pleading, so we can post this on our stories, and you guys can look at it and see what you think. Mm -hmm. But it's not as if she's the one that decided to put all these things in Us Magazine. It's like the editor of Us Magazine at the time collecting all this preppy stuff and being like, ooh, look at all this stuff that's in style. Here's this thing from the Macbeth collection. Here's this Vineyard Vines hat that has the whale on it. Here's a nautical bracelet. So I can also see Ceci's argument. I mean, well, this is all nautical stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nautical stuff has whale on it. Like, <laughs> what do you expect? After seeing how successful and aggressive the Vineyard Vines lawsuit was, I think it should be a shark instead of a whale, but that's <laughs> <laughs> just me. Vineyard Vines was suing her for millions of dollars, like Sessie just said, and she says they were destroying me with discovery. And she talks about how her Macbeth line was so extensive with so many prints, patterns, icons, and options. The whale was just one of thousands of combinations offered. 
But every time we would go to a deposition and show that we had only made $9,000 in royalties from the product over the course of many years, they would say we were lying. So then the case turned ugly, as we've been talking about, and she said it felt like a personal vendetta from their attorney, which if you're on the other side and it's personal for you and it's your personal business, I can 100% see that. And then I also have litigated against attorneys. It's very personal on their part when it doesn't need to be. You want us to go fight a battle for you and we go do it. And the best lawyers, in my opinion, are the ones that don't internalize it. You can be passionate about what you're talking about, but if you make it personal to you, sometimes you don't make the best decisions for your client. I mean, I do think that Vineyard Vines' attorneys did a great job here. Yeah. They, yeah. I think she kind of got outlawed. if I'm going to be honest. I would agree. I would yeah. agree. Vineyard Vines was spending the money on lawyers to protect their brand. And it's very clear from reading Marge's book that she was not nearly as sophisticated. And then also she was relying on people to give her advice that were not lawyers and maybe didn't have her best interests in mind. So I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some case milestones. So she files an answer to the complaint with certain affirmative defenses. I think if she really believed in her claims, she should have filed a motion to dismiss to try and knock out some of the claims. But then she goes and they file a joint preliminary injunction, which I thought was really interesting. I've never seen where two parties agree on a preliminary injunction. Usually that's pretty contested in a preliminary injunction just puts into effect without getting too far into the merits an order that the person has to stop what they were doing, like cease the infringing or allegedly infringing behavior. And this one was that Marge would stop selling products with the whale design on them. But she agreed to it. It was jointly filed. So she was on the hook for it right at the outset without any real judgment or outcome. I've been practicing a long time. I haven't seen an unopposed or joint order for a preliminary injunction before. No. And I think it would have just, and maybe Vineyard Vines' counsel didn't come to her with this, it would have just been so much better to settle at this point. Instead of entering into an agreement whereby she agreed to stop selling this stuff, because she didn't enter into a settlement agreement, they could keep coming to the court if she was in violation of the preliminary injunction. Yes. And that's what they did. They alleged that she was in violation of this preliminary injunction and just kept pummeling her with Mm -hmm. additional motions saying, hey, we want to hold her in contempt for violating this thing she agreed to. And then she had to keep going to court to fight it. And I guess, do you want to talk about what she said in response? Yeah, because this actually did make a lot of sense to me. I 100% 100% agree with Ceci. It's right in the name. It's preliminary. It's not a final order by the court. So this federal court case is still open. It's still going on. And anytime somebody at Vineyard Vines who is mad about this or whether it's the client or the attorneys monitoring it saw like a website or something with the whale being sold on it, they could come back and say she's still violating this preliminary injunction that's been entered. It's a court order. She's violating this court order. And Marge would come back and say, look, I'm no longer licensing this design out. I only made $9,000 off of it in the beginning. She's probably paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees at this point. And she's like, I I can't pull as, you can't unring a bell. So once probably the manufacturers have already manufactured this product, put it out there, the people that were licensed it, she's no longer making money off of it, but it's still out in the marketplace. And she can't go personally to the stores and collect all of this stuff and put it in the trunk of her car and make sure it's not being sold anymore. Yeah. And this is one place where I started researching licenses. And 
I think maybe there wasn't something in her license with her licensees to get her to end it, to get her to end them from selling it, because they rightfully licensed or paid to sell these products. So, like, what is in it for them to stop selling them? You know what I mean? If she's on the hook for copyright infringement, trademark infringement, these other people aren't on the hook for it. You know, they paid to get this license, to get their products out there. What recourse did she have? And I don't know because we don't have the license agreement to get them to stop selling it. And something she could have done was to make a put in a joint indemnity indemnity provision where it's if I'm on the hook for copyright infringement, you have to come in, too, which apparently is maybe what happened with the other licensing agreement that we were talking about earlier. Or she could have put in a provision that I get to end this, the sale or the license of this specific design and give you something comparable. And you have to take out the product immediately. And I'll give you a a dolphin design or something to replace the product. It was almost like there were no, there was no teeth in her agreement with the licensee, whereby she could be like, hey, I got sued. Please stop selling it. There there was nothing in the agreement. And I think that's another misstep here. Yeah. Yeah. In her dealings. And so she did show, I mean, she did end up showing the court emails that she had sent out and I mean it's like also she's having to go back and it sounds like to me from what I read in her book that when she started licensing that she had a licensing agent the licensing agent is going out and getting these licensing deals for her she's just collecting checks and then she has to go back and figure out okay who was this whale design sold to who actually put it on the products and then send them emails and hopefully make sure it gets to the right person and they're like oh okay you know, we're on the hook. Vineyard Vines might come after us if we keep doing this and then pull it off the website. All this stuff takes a ton of time. And like Sessie was saying, the people that aren't being sued don't have a ton of incentive to do it. This is this is like mm-hmm. legal quicksand. Yeah. 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 So also what ended up happening was the court ended up ordering a permanent injunction and she agreed to it. And as part of the permanent injunction, she had to stop selling it. There were other provisions. She had to stop enabling other people to sell this design. And she had to pay $300,000 to Vineyard Vines. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. I'll, Ouch. Especially if she claimed she was only making $9,000 from this design. I think that that was probably... I'm guessing she licensed a bunch of designs at once. The licensee drama does not stop here. <laughs> There's so much more. So she talks about how she was hustling and trying to keep her head above water and that the deficit from the legal issues was a big issue. And so when a manufacturer called Posh Paws reached out, she was really excited. They wanted to license the Macbeth collection for a line of pet products, which the designs are really cute and people love buying cute stuff for their pets. This is so kind of Real Housewives. But Marge didn't know that the founders of Posh Paws were former employees of the Neptunes, which was another licensee that, according to Marge, became enraged and threatened to stop paying her and skim off the top of what they were supposed to be paying her. But Marge said, I'd already signed a deal with Posh Paws. She said that the Neptunes told her that if she didn't turn down the deal, that they would stop paying her and skim. And then she says, for those of you not in the industry, skim means to trim money off the top of a partner's royalty in a way that they'll never figure out how it's missing. So basically, they told me right to my face they were going to steal from me and that I couldn't do shit about it. And she says, the problem is I'd already signed the contract with Posh Paws. This is only a week. <laughs> it's been a week. She does something very human here, which is lawyers, Sessie and I get hives thinking about. Even though she had the right and there was nothing legally stopping her 
from doing the deal with Posh Paws. She said, I couldn't afford to take another financial hit. I was making a ton of money off the Neptune's licensing. So the only option for me was to personally break up with Posh Paws via text. And she said, I kindly told Posh Paws that I had to return their advance of $30,000 with a heavy heart. I couldn't work with them any longer. I had only been with them a week. No big deal, right? And she says, note to self, do not handle contractual issues over text or start with the words with a heavy heart. (laughs) Not good. As a lawyer, I'm like, no, (laughs) no, you signed a contract. What do you think about that? No, it's horrible. Yeah. Because she didn't have to cancel the contract with Posh Paws. Oh, God. She's thinking to herself, okay, Posh Paws will understand. What's the big issue? But Posh Paws did not understand. <laughs> she said they sued me and Neptune, all by knowing I was in the midst of the Vineyard Vines lawsuit. She's still got Vineyard Vines attacking her. She is now being sued by Posh Paws. And then Posh Paws also sues Neptune, So Posh Paws sues her for millions and wins. Please don't forget that I had numerous employees and was on the hook for alimony to Jan, college payments for Cooper, and rent for Tori. My expenses were through the roof. I was like, get the gas pipe and up that life insurance. My attempt to fix this mess that I had somehow become entangled in was in vain. Neptune couldn't care less that I'd put myself out there and shown commitment to my relationship with them. I had not been obligated in any way to cancel on this deal with Posh Paws. It was not in my contract. There was no legally binding document stating when Neptune had claimed ownership of me. I had done it to keep the peace and the cash flow. Big mistake. In retaliation, Neptune started decreasing the number of products they did with me and therefore slashed my income. I was making $700,000 a year, roughly, from them at one point. It dropped down to $500,000, then $400,000, dollars 200000 and so on. It was ridiculous. We were doing a ton of business with Walmart, and Neptune was trying to cut me out. They were trying to show me who was boss and fuck me over because as as far as they were concerned, I had betrayed them for even considering working with Posh Paws. May I remind you, I had no idea of their history, and nor should I have. It's business, not to mention none of my business. She says the Posh Paws lawsuit went on for years and resulted in putting her company into bankruptcy. So they sued her for canceling the contract, and she says that they sued her for millions, and in the end, they won. In arbitration, they split the baby at $650,000 in settlement. And she was like, they had no damages. It it was only a week and that she had to appeal. And then she says they enforced a judgment, unbeknownst to me, which froze my business bank account, and then I could no longer make settlement payments to Vineyard Vines. Dude, this is so bad. (laughs) So bad. Yeah, because like we mentioned, she had a settlement payment of $300,000 with Vineyard Vines, and she had a payment schedule. So, oof. It's so bad. She says, I could no longer make settlement payments to Vineyard Vines, and the only way to unfreeze a company bank account is to file Chapter 11. It sounds like an extreme measure, but my hand was forced. That did allow her the opportunity to restructure her business and actually make payments because it unfroze her assets. She says that she ended up paying back everyone 100% on the dollar, even though she wasn't legally required to. Legal team, you've learned a lot about bankruptcy from our past episodes, but she went ahead and paid everybody back because the real reason she was filing for bankruptcy was to unfreeze her account. Neptune, which is the technology accessory licensing company, Parker, the original one, and Authentic Cabana, 
who paid the original settlement to Lola Bag, she says in her book that these were all run by men who were close friends with one another. They even vacationed together. And she said, they used to come to my house when I had a party and say things like, I bought you this house. And she says, if you bought me this house, what the hell did I buy you? My brand put many of these companies on the map. We couldn't have done it without each other. But that's the kind of people they were. They always wanted to make me feel like I owed it all to them. So then turning back to the Vineyard Vines lawsuit. So after the settlement agreement and permanent injunction, which the permanent injunction just made it permanent that she couldn't sell the products with the design on it anymore, couldn't license it anymore. Vineyard Vines files a motion to hold her in contempt of that order because they're like, she isn't making payments to us. And this makes sense with the context of the fact that she was in bankruptcy or her assets were frozen so she couldn't access them. Of course, she wasn't making her payments on time. But they also said that there were distributors still selling her product with the whale design on them. And they're like, what the heck? She's violating the permanent injunction court. This isn't okay. Marge files a response. It goes before the court in a hearing. And he says, okay, even though you're in a bankruptcy, you're still on the hook for this judgment. So I'm going to order you have to pay the judgment. Fair. She agreed to the $300,000 settlement. She has to pay it. Fine. Then there was the issue as to whether she had an obligation under the settlement agreement to stop the third parties from selling the product. And the court then treats this like a basic contract dispute and looks at the terms of the settlement agreement and the permanent injunction to see if she really was obligated to get them to stop. So there's a provision in there that says that she was barred from, quote, enabling others to sell or pass off infringing items as genuine products. And so the analysis the court had to do was... Are third parties selling this? Does that count as Marge enabling them to sell the infringing product? And the court said, no, that's not her enabling them. If she was still licensing out these products, if she was still trying to push them onto these third party vendors, yes, but she wasn't. There was no evidence of that that Vineyard Vines could provide. And so the court ruled in her favor on those. So she's on the hook for the payments. She's off the hook for this third party continued sale the court didn't hold her in contempt of the order. And this was the end of that Vineyard Vines lawsuit. And in a minute, Angela is going to talk about how Marge said that she was sued again by Vineyard Vines. I just want to clarify that she wasn't sued again. What they were doing was that they were trying to enforce the settlement agreement and say that Marge was in violation of it. I just went over why the court found she wasn't. So it was just, I think, a misunderstanding of terms. But yeah, the Vineyard Vines lawsuit was done. She had to pay the $300,000. And that was the end of that. Which, thank goodness, because (laughs) that would have been never ending. And it's interesting because she talks about in her book how she got approached for a reality show in 2013, and she didn't think it was the right time, so she didn't do it. But then when she went on in 2017, a lot of this lawsuit stuff was going on. She really needed the money. And that being on a reality show is a double-edged sword. She says it's an amazing platform, but nothing comes without a price. And this is a quote, Vineyard Vines sued me again, this time for $12 million, And this is what Sassy just explained, because apparently they felt like they didn't get enough the first time. And now I was a TV star. They thought I had more money. They came after me again. And she says it can happen on your happiest day. That's when they want to hit you. 
I could be going on Watch What Happens Live or filming a reunion and a press release or an article would come out headlined, Margaret Joseph sued again for $12 million by Vineyard Vines. And you know Andy Cohen is going to ask you, Margaret, are you really being sued for $12 million by Vineyard Vines? I have to say, yes, it's true. While the whole world is sitting there with buckets of popcorn going, she must be shady. She's being sued by a major company. Sessie here again clarifying that she wasn't sued again for $12 million. The original lawsuit from Vineyard Vines was for $12 million. And like we explained, there was a lot of discovery, a lot of contentious motion, and ended with a settlement agreement whereby she had to no longer sell the designs with the whale on them and pay $300,000. There was some, some concern that she was in violation of that. The court found that she wasn't. And then that was the end of that. So clarifying again. The other thing I thought was fascinating was how she ended up resolving this. Posh pause. With posh pause. She's appealing this judgment from arbitration for over $600,000. So she's saying, I have no choice. I might have to call posh pause and put an end to this. I was hemorrhaging money and attorney's fees. I couldn't see an end in sight. By some sort of divine intervention, my mother and I were out to lunch later that day at Le Club Avenue in Long Branch when I spotted one of the posh paws across the restaurant out of the corner of my eye. I was dumbfounded that this opportunity to face him head on outside of the confines of court had landed in my lap just hours after I'd put it out into the universe. I hadn't had enough time between formulating the thought in the morning and formulating my lunch order to know what I wanted to say to him. Marge Sr. literally pushed me out of my chair telling me go over there and fix it. There he was, sitting with his wife, completely unaware that I was about to pounce and make him gag on his California. <laughs> she walked right over to their table in her high heels with her boobs hanging out. I mean, Marge is always dressed <laughs> the way that she dresses on TV and emotionally announced, Isaac, and I wish we had the Washoe Croppins guys to do it. Imagine Ronnie saying this in his Marge voice. Isaac, I can't do this anymore. My mother's upset. I'm upset. We have to make up. It's too much. His wife took one look at me and was like, do you know her? Why does her mother know you? What's going on? And immediately I realized what it could have looked like to an unknowing wife. After all, it wasn't my most thought out approach, but I had to get my point across. I was like, no, no, no. We're in a lawsuit because of Neptune. Isaac was also clamoring to explain. He said, it's not what you think, honey, I swear. I was cracking up and thinking, oh my God, what did I do now? I'm going to get this guy in serious trouble. Fortunately, when his wife heard Neptune, she knew the story. And I continued saying, you have to talk to Morris. We have to turn this around. And it turns out that the Posh Paws people thought the Neptune company that they hated was the one paying all of Macbeth's legal fees. And that's why they were pushing it so hard. So they thought the whole thing was Neptune. And Posh Paws and Neptune hate each other. So she made friends with an enemy to solve the problem, which is why... She does so well in Housewives. <laughs> she's had real problems, and she's figured out how to solve them. And that's why she's so formidable that even Teresa is, it's much better to be friends with Marge than it is to be enemies. I mean, I would say that her trying to be friendly with everyone is what got her into this trouble, but... I agree with that 100%. But she's good on Housewives because she's had to solve real problems. She's just unafraid of things at this point on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. I can see from reading this and seeing what she's been through in real life before she even went on Housewives, she's dealt with real stuff. So she says, turns out Posh Posh really thought that Neptune was driving the train and paying my legal bills, which is why they pushed back so hard. I'll never allow myself to be financially bullied again. Thankfully, my contract with Neptune was over and my reconciliation with Posh Paws came at the perfect time. We were partners once more and everyone was happy. 
she agreed to take a reduced royalty so that Posh Paws could recoup the lawyer's fees. And, and she says, as of this day, we're still making a killing together, all because I took a risk and put myself out there. Could I have picked up the phone three years earlier and saved myself a fortune and many sleepless nights? I don't know, but I won't make that same mistake again. So that's the story of Marge and her lawsuits. A lot. That's a lot. Is it still going today? You can go to MacbethCollection.com, look at the stuff she has on there. Her stuff is sold at the Container Store Staples, Target, Macy's, Wayfair, Amazon, Marshalls, TJ Maxx, HomeGoods, and tons of other places. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, this was like we said throughout the episode, a lesson in getting good counsel from the outside. I think she was being a little naive, which is understandable if you're not in these situations. You have to just think ahead. What could go wrong? And I don't think the average person can always guess what's going to go wrong. Like Lawyers deal in this stuff. We know what could go wrong and what could happen and Lawyers are here to make sure that those provisions are in the contracts and that they're down pat and to even maybe give you advice as you go through it. But this was just a bad case of being outmaneuvered and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Lawyered. And it's unfortunate, but she learned probably a very many valuable lessons as stated in her book. Yes. And a lot of times, especially when you're starting a business and you're new, you are uncomfortable thinking about the worst case scenario. Lawyers, we're really good at that. That's our job. That's one of the many, many reasons why we're so stressed out. We are always thinking of the worst thing that could happen and then how to protect a client if it does happen, but also people are really uncomfortable asking for things that they need in contracts or in business deals. Make your lawyer your bad guy. We are good at that. You can say, hey, I don't care about this. I don't think you're going to screw me over, but my lawyer is insisting this be in here. You know how lawyers are. Just let us be the bad guy. Get that stuff in there to protect you. All right, let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening, everyone. And until next time. Bye, legal team. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network. <laughs>